Welcome to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger. Redraft and best ball are over soon, but Dynasty is life. Dynasty keeps on going all offseason long. We have two more weeks left of best ball and redraft. And we have two more weeks left of Dynasty when you're talking about winning uh, you know, fan- Dynasty championships. But then when redraft and best ball go away, we really start to ramp up what we're doing. And I'm so excited today to be joined by a friend of mine in Memphis Young. And Memphis is a co-host of one of my favorite Dynasty podcasts, the Dynasty War Zone. I've had a chance to podcast with Memphis many times over the years. Uh, Jerry and Memphis uh, have been doing the Dynasty War Zone for years, just crushing it. Um, And it's really great to have you on now. How are you doing today, Memphis? Uh, I I am great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, this is one, like... I was I was raised with manners. As for those of you that listen to my show, you may be surprised by that. But I was raised with manners, and you don't invite your, your yourself places. But when you hosted this show, I was like, "Hey, dude, I I happen to be off this week, and if you need any help, you know, with a guest." And you were like, "Yeah, I'd love to do it." This this is a show I've been looking forward to because a I love podcasting with you, and b dynasty season the good stuff's getting ready to happen like don't get me wrong this week next week you're going to do good you're going to win some championships you're going to put some money in your pocket that's what we're supposed to be doing but but the really fun stuff the the rookies and the 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 roster reconstruction and things like that that's the pretty cool stuff man so thank you for having me super excited to be here no and and this is like right up your alley like when i first started this show you were naturally going to be a guest that, that's going to be involved multiple times um, because I just respect your approach to the game so much. A lot of Dynasty podcasts are very good, but a lot of Dynasty podcasts, I think, can get a little bit monotonous where, you know, it's the same things we're, we're hearing in Redraft podcasts. You know, at this time of year, it's like, who should I start? You know, a, a trade deadline stuff. Who should I trade for? Who should I trade away? But with this podcast, I love getting in people's heads and talking about their approach to Dynasty your general strategies that you kind of carry in year in, year out. And whether it's Scott Connor or Heath Cummings or, or Alan Sislowski or Ian Miller and now yourself, um, you know, I've gotten a lot of really, really wonderful responses. So let's get down to it. First off, should Dynasty Leagues have a trade deadline, Memphis? When you get to this time of year, do you are you one of these people that says, let it go? You know, you're just like some un, unfettered capitalist who wants to have you know, complete whatever my dynasty team I'm trading right up into championship day, or do you want a little bit of control where maybe you have a cutoff, whatever it is, maybe it's December 1st, maybe it's when the playoffs start, but where do you fall in line with that one? Cause I think there's a lot of people who have very strong opinions on this for dynasty. Well, I, I will say this. I, I personally am in, in favor of a trade deadline. And JD and I used to do it this way, JD being the co-host of the Goat District podcast, also here on Player Profiler, him and Dan, yourself, the, the gang. You know, JD and, and I used to do it this way, where Thursday night of the, the week the playoffs start, used to be 14, now it's 15. And that night, 8 p.m., that Thursday night, no more trades amongst contenders. Now, the, the the non-contending teams, they can trade their heart out. All you do if you're looking for a way to do this is you just switch your trade function in your settings to must require commissioner approval. Commissioner goes in, says, hey, Theo's in the playoffs, Memphis is not. 
this this deal can't go through. Hey, Theo's not in the playoffs. Memphis is not in the playoffs. This trade can go through. But I will say this. If you're in a league with no trade deadlines, as a commissioner, I did the commissioner's podcast here on Player Profiler. You have to have some sort of a spine, and you got to set your standard. If you're a no-trade commissioner, that's that's totally cool. Then you have to have the courage to make sure you're collecting any dues for any first traded. You know, we're in a league like this together with our buddy Nate. Nate runs it. Nate's a great commissioner. The rule is if you trade your 20, I guess in this case, 24 first, then you have to pay that year's dues. And if you don't within a certain amount of time, then the trade gets reversed. I think as long as you're collecting the dues for those future first, because it's fine, because when you don't, when you don't, and I've seen this happen, I've seen this happen in industry leagues where someone goes all in, trades away every young upside potential guy on, on, his, on their entire roster, all their firsts, taking a big swing and then a year later walk out of the league. And then then you're 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 scrambling to get that thing put back together. So as long as you're collecting the money, I'm I'm okay with it, but if you don't have a trade de- deadline and you're not getting the money, I don't think you're you're protecting your league. And am, am I fair with that? You're very you're very nuanced. You're very nuanced, very detail oriented in that and that was very well thought out. I think that's fine. I think like the teams that are not you know, playing for in the final four this week, if they want to go about and change their roster, I think that keeps like the spirit of dynasty. I actually kind of like that one a lot. That's a, that's a good one. And I think that that's a, that's a must. If you're trading future, future first, you have to pay your entry fee for the following season. Uh, FFPC does this as well, where they make you pay half the entry fee. That way, if you leave, if I find an, if I find I have to find a manager to take over as a, like an orphan team they're not having to pay the full bill when they're not like, you know, getting a, a full, a full roster and a full, a full set of picks. So uh, just a general philosophy question for you. This is something where, you know, we've seen a real enthusiasm over the years for dynasty startups, where you see people trying to trade for future first. And I think that the dynasty marketplace has correctly improved this, where you you have even managers who are not, you know, experienced dynasty managers, they somewhat understand the value and importance of holding future rookie picks to give you that flexibility to make moves with your roster and give you exposure to these top-notch players that you really wouldn't get a chance to get if not through rookie drafts. You, you could have to pay a king's ransom or you could use just a random, you know, rookie pick and get access to them. Do you think that you get to a point, Memphis, where people have started to overvalue the picks a little bit, where there's chances to push the chips in and maybe they miss their opportunity for actual titles by holding these future assets. Or do you think that it's still the correct way? I want to go about doing this. I treat the draft pick just as I would strengthen another position. I have five positions on my team, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end and draft pick. Where do you fall in line with the value of draft picks? You know, draft picks are great. They they are they become currency in the months of February through June. You know, pre-rookie draft, post-rookie draft, you know, right up until your rookie draft. They they, they become currency 
And with the exception of a handful of players, they are the only thing that you have as a dynasty GM that will only accumulate value. As we record this today on the 19th of December, the only thing, and like I said, there's a handful of guys, there's Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, and, and those are the stars. But the only guy, the only thing that's going to accumulate value are those picks up until you get a push the button. I think people have an over-reliance on picks. You know, first of all, we were talking before you hit the record button, you got picks like Quentin Johnson. Not every pick is a hit. It's, it's just it's just not. And I think it, you you get in this pattern of, of always rebuilding and you're always a year away from being a year away. And I would rather at some point go all in and, and try to win. That's how I play. I know a lot of people just enjoy the process. They like scouting the rookies. They like make they they love making the picks. They really don't care about the fifty bucks, the hundred bucks, the two hundred, whatever the the buy-in is, because in this day and age, let's be honest, fifty bucks will not get you and your wife a decent dinner anywhere. So if it's if it's something that you see as fun and you enjoy the picks, but if you're going to win, they're nice to have, but you can build good teams while moving picks because we're going to talk about some guys in the body of this show. Hey, I'll give you my 101. I'm assuming not 101, the, like my 110, my 111, you know, for a guy that I think could be next year's Rashad White. Because I, I've, I've got a track record. I've got a small sample, maybe 16, 17 games in the NFL, but I've seen it. I've seen this player situation as opposed to the black box that is the pick. So picks are fine, but at some point, they've got to turn it into the players that score points because points are how you win. So I'm fine with picks, but I don't ever go. I'm, I'm I'm very rarely the guy who's got three to five picks. I, I love it. I think that's a really, really good way to answer that. And I think there gets to a point where fantasy managers are so scared of trading off those picks. And then there's fantasy managers who, like you said, really, it's all about kind of having the attractive roster rather than trying to go in and push the chips in and and make some money and pay for the next few years. So um, there's been like polls on this when people say, what's your favorite aspect of playing Dynasty? Not a whole lot of people pick Dynasty championships. It's like the the trades, the drafting. So it's really an interesting psychological thing here. And I, I think another thing that's very interesting is this time of year, people get so so demanding for those first round picks and first round picks there's no greater driver of fantasy you know value in in terms of the guys you're getting exposed to but it becomes so much easier for me to get second round picks than first round picks have you had success over the years accumulating seconds because i think a lot of these uh high highly successful dynasty players will tell you that holding extra seconds can sometimes be like that thing that could really push your team over the edge and give you that flexibility where you can go make pretty much any move you want because I have a few extra seconds I can put into deals. Well, I'll start by saying you can never have enough good second round picks. There's always yeah. going to be, it's like, it, it, I would say that with the way that dynasty is studied and these college prospects are studied, your hit rate in the first round is probably, I would say eight to nine of those first round picks are usually usable for dynasty. But that only drops down to about 50% in the second round. So if you've stacked up a bunch of extra second round picks, I'm totally on board with it. But I'm also totally on board with, with moving those second round picks. But I'm I'm very prudent when I trade and when I move picks. 
Like I didn't move any of my first or seconds at all until I got right up into the playoffs. And if my league had a trade deadline or my league didn't have a trade deadline, I'm using those things now because, you know, I got two games to go. Because with two games to go, and we covered this last week on the Dynasty War Zone, it's like now's the time. They're like, are you paying a second round pick? We talked about your trade with Nate. We talked about your trade with Nate where you sent Brock Purdy and a small something else and you got was, Justin Herbert. Yeah, Brock Purdy and Zach Wilson, and I got Herbert. And that was, you know, to put context to this, my team is completely out of it in a, somewhat of a rebuild mentality. Nate's going for the money. So Nate, you know, wanted maybe a little bit more than that. And, you know. And and and, and I don't blame. I like, I, li- I like Brock Purdy quite a bit. And did Nate overpay? Yeah, I do think Nate overpaid a little bit. But this is the time of the year where you may not get back here next year. How many times have you seen the team that you think, maybe you are this team, that you think that, hey, this is the team that's going to win the championship this year. This team's going to blow everybody away. And then you get into week 12, and that team's struggling. You may not get back. You may not get another chance to make the money. So going back to your original question about second-round picks, I love to have a bunch of them because as a contender, and as someone who does this, I think I've got a pretty good you know track record of hitting on seconds. But I'm also not afraid to move them. I'm, I'm not. I'm not super beholden. You, you've played enough leagues with me. I'm not super beholden to picks. Picks one way or the other. Yeah. No, I think it's interesting, and I think the seconds have value as trade commodity, and they also have value where you're going to get exposure to so many guys that end up hitting and helping you out in, in dynasty and in regular redraft leagues. A lot of these guys who were dynasty second rounders have been cornerstone players for you this season. Like we're going to talk today about Trey McBride. Uh, Rashad White, James Cook, who was a borderline. If it was super flex, a lot of times James Cook was a second rounder. Non-super flex, he was usually a late first. But Devon A-Chain this year, I had non-super flex leagues where I was getting him in the second round. So it's a very interesting kind of psychological thing that a manager treats a late first so much more guarded than he would a potential like 203, 204 type pick. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, We're going to dive into a number of these topics and and get a lot more deep strategy uh, from Memphis. And we're also going to try to identify guys that we think could be, you know, next year's James Cook, Trey McBride, after we hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, so many ask me, what's wrong with sports books? Why so many of them fail? The answer is simple. They don't innovate. They're just casino sports books on a phone. That's all they've been. There are a few that are doing a good job. We partner with them. Most of them, not so much. Until Bet Openly came along. Bet Openly said, hey, we're going to innovate. We're going to do something groundbreaking. We're going to have peer to peer betting in all states, and you pay 1%. When you win, you pay just 1% on your winnings. You heard that right. It's 1%. With code Underworld, you qualify for just that 1% transaction fee. On bed openly, it gives you ultimate flexibility to set your own lines and browse lines that others have set. Think about it. That's what betting should be. And now that is the reality. Bedopenly.com. The code is Underworld. Check it out. Welcome back to Dynasty Life. I'm Theo Greminger, joined today by Memphis Young of the Dynasty War Zone. Uh, Memphis, you know, this time of year, you and Jerry start start mapping it out. 
and start really like looking at your dynasty topics. It gets to be very, very cool. Highly recommend the Dynasty Warzone. Let everybody know where they can find it and what night of the week you guys are going to come back to your usual summertime. You know, most people know like during the summer where I'm going to be able to find the, the Warzone right here on Player Profiler YouTube. Let them know when you're coming back to your usual time. Yeah, so in season, just because, first of all, you can find us on the Player Profiler YouTube channel. We have our own YouTube channel um, and our own podcast channel. Please subscribe to both. That helps us and it helps Player Profiler. But we've been so blessed to be part of this mega conglomerate that you and the Podfather and Billy are, are building here. So just and and you don't want to live stream during like Sunday night games. So we'll go back to streaming on Sundays in February. Right now, our time slot, our show uploads on Thursdays, five p.m. The podcast it kind of varies. Um, we don't want to inundate the audio consumer when you wake up on a given morning and there's seven podcasts from Player Profiler. It's oh hey, here's the Podfather in the morning. Here's the Warzone gang in the after you know in the lunchtime. And then you got first class fantasy at dinner. We do a good job of staggering those. But yeah, you'll find us uh, and guests. Guest season for us, because Jerry and I just look at it this way. It's like in season, it's so hard to get everybody together. You're making your own content. But in the off season, we're all excited to talk about rookies. I'm sure we're going to have you back on, the Podfather. Uh, would love to get Billy on, on a show. It's it's going to be good. So, but yeah, you can find us right here on the Player Profiler Network Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, and that'll be starting around the playoffs. We have talked about trying to go live and maybe doing a watch along with the audience live on Player Profiler. So you're watching the podcast on like maybe your phone, interacting with myself, Jerry, our producer, Kevin, and we're all watching the game and reacting to the game in, in live time. We're going to do some fun stuff, but yeah, just check us out here on Player Profiler, and uh, we'll keep you entertained. For sure. Highly recommend the Dynasty Warzone. I've been listening to Dynasty Warzone for a long time. I've gone on the Dynasty Warzone. Jerry sometimes avoids me, and it's sometimes me in Memphis only, but uh, shout out to Jerry. I hope, Jerry, I hope you're having a really, really nice holiday season. Take a quick trade question from the chat. Big Country, I don't know if he's naming it after uh, Bryant Reeves of Oklahoma State and the Memphis Grizzlies, but he likes Big Country. Big Country says Superflex League best ball. So it's best ball dynasty strategy. Should he trade Mike Evans for Christian Kirk? He's out of the playoffs. And I'm going to say on this one, I'm going to go with the older Mike Evans. Because for me, Mike Evans is a top 10 wide receiver this year with huge spike weeks. And Memphis, this is not a free agency show, but Mike Evans might land perfectly this offseason. He's either going to get paid by Tampa and have a connection again with Baker Mayfield. Or Mike Evans is going to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, some contender that he wants to chase the Super Bowl ring with and maybe be, be in an even better offense next year. So I'm going with the higher ceiling old guy. Which way are you going? Well, fun, fun thing for you. Mike Evans has been in the league nine years. He's not even quite 30 yet. Maybe he's 30, not quite 31. He is a very, he's, he was very young for his class. So he's probably got two good years of, of high-caliber NFL football left in him. And to your point, if he winds up on a contender, it's it's going to go up. And I'm, I'm actually been very impressed with the way he and Baker have oh, yeah. worked together. I think, I think he probably comes back given his relationship to the Tampa area. But yeah, no offense to Christian Kirk. Uh, Mike Evans still has weak winning weeks in him. 
And I know Kirk can, but I, I just I don't trust him. So you're just basically doing a solid to whoever this league mate is. It's it's close enough that it's fair. I would want like a second speaking of seconds, I would want like a second round pick on the Christian Kirk side. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the Mike Evans. I think that you know, this is a kind of an off-topic discussion, but the AJ Pex, the AJ Pex is getting like blown out of the water in many situations. And I don't think like this past offseason, you had Stefan Diggs, Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup still maintaining their dynasty value. But Memphis, we saw Keenan Allen so cheap. We saw Mike Evans for free. These guys, people think they're going to drop off a cliff and really they become extreme values. Are you seeing that more and more? Yeah, th- th- this is the, the the thing that's going to fool you is if you're contending or going into your contending window in 24, these are the guys to buy. If you go to the top 12 wide receivers in PPR right now, you're going to see a lot of 28, 29, 30, 31-year-olds. You're seeing Tyreek Hill blowing the world away. Keenan Allen's the wide receiver three. Um, DJ Moore's 27. You know, we just mentioned Mike Evans. You know, Debo's 27. It's it's not dominated by the, you know, now there is a sprinkling of of, of CD Lamb and, and Jamar Chase. There's always going to be room for those guys. But remember that when when we're chasing rookie wide receivers not named Marvin Harrison Jr., because he'll be uh, an, an outlier to a degree. But yeah, these are the guys who and we actually had this conversation is they'll be worth half of what they are now. So whatever oh, Devontae Adams is another guy having a having a good season. It's like whatever they're worth now that we're in the fantasy playoffs, they'll be worth half as much. It's like theoretically you could probably get a first for like a, like a Cooper Cup, especially from a contender going all in. You're not getting you're going to be lucky to get a second for Cooper Cup here in about a month and a half because people are like oh, he's a 31-year-old wide receiver. I love I love those guys. No, don't go overboard. It's like anything in life. Moderation is the key. But you know, find the the wide receiver in that 29 to 31 year old range that you really think is going to have a good 24. And those are the kind of guys that you add. So yeah, the, the age apex is not what it was. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting topic for the offseason because next year you're gonna have in redraft. Christian McCaffrey and Tyreek Hill as your top two picks in redraft. Yet there's a kind of a disconnect with some fantasy managers wanting to stay as far away from them as possible in dynasty startups. So this is, this is definitely a topic for the off season. I want to take one more quick question from this chat uh, from Emiliano says, do I start Stafford or love? Uh, And you have the Rams hosting the saints this week. And you have the Packers going and playing at the Carolina Panthers. Both quarterbacks have been producing. He also has Tommy DeVito. We're going to rule out DeVito. So it's Stafford or Love here. Which way are you going with this one, Memphis? A lot of love for the Paisan, Tommy DeVito, but I uh, I, I cannot start Tommy DeVito. It's, Tommy it's DeVito, nasty. apparently, not to interrupt, Tommy DeVito doesn't want to talk about it anymore. Apparently, there's the Giants wanted him to do a top five Sopranos greatest moments montage. And DeVito said, I'm not doing any more of this stuff. But Good then he for got him. then he got paid 20k though to show up at uh at a restaurant this weekend. So all these people are like, you know, show up at like an Italian restaurant, get get 20, 20k, but you don't want to talk. So it's a little bit like off the thing. But I think Good for Him is right. Uh-huh. DeVito's playing well enough that it's it's uh, you know, the whole thing with trying to stick with like the whole shtick, 
Like, you know, we get it. You know, you're from you're Italian. You're, you're Italian. You're from Northern Jersey. Uh, like, that's cool. But that's not like, you know, what you're all about. So respect to Tommy DeVito for not doing that. Love Tommy DeVito. The, the answer to this one is, is very simple. It's Matt Stafford at home against New Orleans. Um, nothing against Jordan Love, but I don't want I don't want to say Carolina's defense is good, but they've been scrappy, especially at home. And that's where this game is. This game's in Carolina. The, the weather on the East Coast has been wild the last couple of weeks. It is December after all. I, I'm gonna take the Thursday night game, Stafford and the boys in the dome. No uh, Marshawn Lattimore to impact my, my boy Cooper Cup. I, I'm going to roll with Stafford. That offense has looked great. We're going to talk about one of the catalysts to that offense here in a little bit with Kyron Williams. But, yeah, it's easy for me. It's Stafford. Ride me, the hot hand. Me too. I'm rolling with the Rams. And let's stick with that because, you know, one of the topics for today's show is we're looking for those year two breakouts. And we want to try to identify them a year, like, you know, many months early. And it's a little bit difficult because we don't know what NFL teams are going to do in the draft. We don't know what NFL teams are going to do in free agency. But we have a number of players this year who greatly exceeded their their rookie year stats. At the top, Rashad White. He caught 50 passes from Tom Brady, but there was a huge pushback that Rashad White wasn't good. And then there was a pushback that Rashad White, yeah, you know, he's got the opportunity, but somebody's going to overtake him. It was incorrect. James Cook, there was arguments this summer that there was a long period of time, Memphis, where it was James Cook versus Damian Harris as a real conversation. Then you had Trey McBride. And Trey McBride was a guy where a year ago, I could have traded, I could have, there was no way that I could have offered you Trey McBride and gotten Chica Conquo from, from anyone. And most of the time, I couldn't have gotten Greg Dulcich either. Now, some managers are going to say, you know, Theo, I was always into the Trey McBride. You're wrong on that one. But at the end of the day, those were the two hot names from the rookie performances. This year, we've seen all these guys pop. Kyron Williams, a little bit different because Kyron Williams, um, you know, he certainly was a little bit lower ranked, was a guy who were drafting like the 18th round in redraft. And he was a sixth round pick as opposed to these other guys who were day two guys. But Kyron Williams ran with it. Any way you cut it, we had multiple players this year that really broke out as year two players. What do you think stood out in general when, especially when you're looking at these running backs, Memphis, and how they were able to take this opportunity and just completely run with it? Well, look at the offenses that that, that they're on. I mean, all of the names that, you know, Rashad White, he's paired with Baker Mayfield, Kyron Williams. He's paired with... Uh, Matt Stafford, Josh Allen, you know, and, and James Cook, at least with Baker and Stafford, they're not running the ball. And earlier in the season, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen wasn't running like he has he used to. I, I don't want to just simply say, you know, pocket quarterbacks check down more, but there's this video floating around on the internet from last night where on the throw that Jalen Hurts made, the interception on there was a wide open Kenneth Gainwell right there. He could have ran easily into field goal range and, and, and got that. Some quarterbacks just don't, don't check down. So the situation matters and the, the talent matters. I mean, we, we have to get past the, Oh, he, he runs a four, six, five, 40. Yeah. But you know what? Sean McVay has wanted a good running back in that offense and, and good by your standards and his standards are two different standards. You know, he had Todd Gurley. 
He now has Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams has has absolutely think about where the Rams were projected. If you're into Vegas win totals, and they were projected, I think, to win six games, maybe seven. They've already won seven. They're probably yeah. going to make the playoffs. And what's been the driving force? It, it's Kyron Williams. These are the situations that that we're looking for. We're, we're, we're looking for guys in good situations. You're not going to hit on every one of these. You know, I have a list of guys. I put this together for our patrons. You mentioned that earlier. Is that these, these are the guys that I'm looking at in next year. And I don't want to get too deep into it unless you just want to go ahead and roll into it with the my thoughts on the second year, especially the running backs more than the 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 wide receivers. But I consider all these second year and you know third year running backs, they're like a lease car. Do you and your family own or lease cars, Theo? We've done both over the years. Uh yeah. So I know I know the, the I know the, these guys both. The, the, these running backs are lease cars. You know, I like I, I'll just share it right here in the Dynasty life. Isaiah Pacheco is one of my favorite ads right now in Dynasty. Love it because he's Patrick Mahomes is making a bajillion dollars, and Travis Kelsey makes a bunch of money, and Chris Jones makes a bunch of money. You need young, cheap, producing players at other positions, including running back. So what are they going to do? They've learned their lesson with Clyde Edwards-Helaire. We've seen the value of being the starter in this offense. So those are what those are the things. So if you're looking for, for like guys that are like next year, you know, um, Tajay Spears is another guy that comes to mind. Um, I know the Podfather mentioned on the Top Ten Takeaway Show. It was his flu game, by the way. If you love the Podfather, sick as a dog, still hopped on the mic, gave you a Top Ten Takeaway Show that came out on Monday, the the 18th. So check that out. But he's talking about Roshan Johnson. You're looking for these young guys in year one or year two because if you get them in years three or four, you could have a three- or a two-year asset in Dynasty and just look for the ones that are tied to, to good quarterbacks and good offenses. I love it. And I think that also the the you know, and really what the way that we should be attacking most of our running back targets is in today's day and age, they've got to be able to have a little bit of receiving ability. And everyone in this class, Memphis has either evolved as a receiver in the NFL. First of all, you've got like nine guys from, that are in year two that are top 24 running backs lot, uh, right now after Kenneth Walker's big night last night. And that's including Kenneth Walker missing some time this year. But he did enough last night that I believe he's on the RB2 line. If not, he's right behind it. But all of these guys have pass catching ability. The Brian Robinson improved as a pass catcher and Eric Bieniemy gave him a lot more opportunities. Isaiah Pacheco, people said he'll never catch the ball. This year, he sure looked decent catching the ball, uh, and they gave him the opportunities. Kyron Williams was a prolific pass catcher at Notre Dame. That was actually what people thought he was going to do in the NFL, was be some third-down pass catcher. Uh, and then, obviously, Rashad White and James Cook were guys, when we drafted them, we thought, yeah, that they project as guys who can catch passes. So that being said, I love your Tajay Spears call, because I think Tajay Spears is one of the guys where if you go out and trade for him now, there's a little bit of risk because Tennessee could draft another running back that could challenge him, but he's already been a target earner in his rookie season. He already has a lot of the explosiveness as a runner that we've seen kind of with the James Cook uh, this year. I think Tyje Spears really could be the year two breakout running back. Um, well, let again, me throw one thing in there. 
Yeah. He was the first running back drafted by new Titans GM Rand Carthon. So, you know, we, we, you know, hey, this was this was the first running back at that position that he put his flag on. And when he put and when he put that card in last April and, and, and he said, knowing that this was the last year of Derrick Henry's contract, did Rand Carthon turn in that card saying, hey, that's my guy for 2024. I'm going to get him some experience as a rookie. We're going to wish Derrick well as he transitions on to another team. And then Tajay is going to get every opportunity. Doesn't mean he's going to win it. He's going to get every opportunity to be our guy in 2024. That's what that's part of the reason why I like him so much. Yeah, I love that. I think he's like a low-end dead zone guy if he survives the summer. Um, and if you drafted him in the second round, he's yet another second round dynasty rookie pick that, that could really pay off. Um, and then you look at like all these guys, like we talked about, like Brian Robinson, second round pick, Rashad White, second round pick. They've all kind of had this kind of archetype where we didn't have to spend a whole lot on them as dynasty managers and had now have had really, really big returns. Jalen Warren was a guy we were grabbing off the of dynasty waiver wires and he's, and he's returned value. So really looking at these past catching backs, Roshan Johnson, interesting one Memphis, because I think maybe there was a little too much uh, expectations for him this year. It's turned into kind of an ugly committee. Uh, there's, he's had a couple of flashes, but nothing consistent. I think that's one where, I'm not so sure because I think that that they don't love him there. Um, maybe expand upon your your thoughts of Roshan and, and what you see this year. Well, I, I like Roshan for the same reason that I like Kyron Williams. Super talented guy coming in. Um, unlike Kyron, he was a little bit more celebrated. I know a lot of dynasty people across the industry were super high on Roshan and and rightfully so. But I, I still believe that Ryan Poles will be the GM. I think he'll get a new head coach, and I, and I think he's getting a new quarterback. I know nobody wants to hear that, but I think the Bears' offense is going to be really good in 2024. They've got two first-round picks, uh, obviously the 101. Uh, you can come to the Dynasty War Zone if you want to hear the Justin Fields takes. I'll uh, save the Dynasty Life audience some of that. But I, it's, it's just looking into what they're going to be able to do. And what are they? What are they going to do? I mean, if, if you're going to bring in Caleb Williams, which I think they should, because it's kind of weird. Nobody wants to hear it. If you go back and look at Justin Fields' dynasty or NFL career to date versus the three first three years of Daniel Jones, you're going to see some similarities that you probably didn't expect to see. Now, is Fields a better runner? Yes, but if if you bring in Caleb Williams and then Roshan's going to be right there in the mix, you have DJ Moore. What do they do with that other first? Um, Cole Komet's taking a step forward this year. I think you're looking at a really good offense. No, maybe not really good. That's not fair. You're looking at at least an NFL average offense. And I hope they get rid of Luke Getze. I don't think he's a very yeah. good offensive coordinator. Uh, like me personally, I would let go of Matt Eberflus. I would try to demote him, to be honest. He's a hell of a defensive coordinator. I'm a, I'm a Colts fan. Um, he was our DC for a long time, and he he the man can run a DC. He fired his DC, and they, they've had a great run on defense since he took over the play calling. So can we demote him, bring over um, – oh, my God. I always draw a blank on his name. The gentleman who's the OC for the, the, the commandos, uh, Eric Bieniemy. Can Bien-Ami. we bring Eric Bieniemy over to be the head coach with, um, you know, like the play calling, you know, capability – and then we'll have a great offense. But just I, without all of that, I, I still think that Roshan will get an opportunity 
to be the man in 2023 or 2024. Man, the year's almost over. I like it. Um, so yeah, running back wise, we identified a couple that we're interested in. Now let's put Trey McBride in a category of receiver. I don't think we necessarily have to chase tight end here because I think Trey McBride, the way he's being targeted, he might as well, you know, look at a wide receivers as well. So there's a couple of low hanging fruit here. I think we could both agree that in year two, Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to take a big step forward as Tyler Lockett starts getting older. That one's kind of, you know, low hanging fruit. Are there other wide receivers in this class or tight ends in this class that you think could take big year two leaps forward? Luke Musgrave comes to mind. First guy. I really like Musgrave. Uh, People will, you know, talk about, is it it Tucker Craft or Tyler Craft, whatever the Craft kid is. Tucker Craft, yeah. Tucker Craft. That's a big polarizing conversation right now, Memphis. it's, It's not. It's not. One guy was drafted highly in the second round and is hurt. The other guy was... What cut went to the Jets practice squad, I think, and then and then signed back. He he's been okay, but that's the role that I envision Luke Musgrave in next year. Uh, I'm not a Quentin Johnston guy, but there's been some some flashes. I think Mike Williams is gone. Uh, I I don't care what anybody says. I think the Chargers are currently like the sixth overall pick, and if Malik Neighbors is there, I think that's how you pronounce that guy's name. Yeah, the the wide receiver out of LSU. I would love to see that guy. And I, I know everybody's like, you can't go back to back first round picks. I'm like, the Eagles traded a first round pick for AJ Brown and then turned around and drafted Devontae Smith. What do you mean? Not only not only can you, but you should. If you want to support a young quarterback, give him all the, the weapons and, and, and tools in the world. I actually think that the Chargers will draft either Brock Bowers or one of these or 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 a top wide receiver like Malik Neighbors. Because I think if you look at the the aging veterans they have and the fact that Memphis, they have a pretty good offensive line right now uh, when healthy, a great quarterback, what they need is skill position players um, and some guys on the defensive side of the ball. But I think that's a really, really interesting one. Um, how about a guy like Marvin Mims, where this is a little bit more of a, we love the profile. He did not get the opportunity. There will be no coaching change next year. This is all going to be on Sean Payton. Does he step take a step forward in his confidence level with Marvin Mims, or does he view him as some sort of a big play guy that you know I'm also going to continue to keep using on special teams at times? I think at some point he's going to replace Jerry Judy. I, th- I think that at some point you have to remove Jerry Judy from this offense. I'm, I, I don't think he's a Sean Payton guy. I think he's the one most likely to go, and and. and I, I love Marvin Mims. I'm, I'm pulling up his snap counts right now because I, I want to see how he's progressed as the season has went along. I'll, I'll be very honest with the audience. I hadn't thought about Marvin Mims. Yeah, I mean, he's he's coming off some of his higher games. He's been in that 40% snaps played. I mean, I'd have to go to this awesome website called Player Profiler to go with his uh, number of routes ran based on the number of snaps that he's played. Uh, his uh, Was that the hog rating, I think it is? Or maybe it's targets by routes ran. So many great metrics at player profile. We got a lot. We got a lot. We, you, you do. You, we, we, we do. But, I, yeah, I think he's the guy that will have a larger role. I just uh, – I, I feel horrible that I missed him. I loved him. I absolutely loved him coming out. I have a ton of Marvin Mims everywhere, and that that's a really good call. 
So pushing back here, Memphis, uh, the chat, Tucker Craft, third round pick. They took the two tight ends. So it's Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave. That's one where we're going to have to debate a little more in the offseason. But I do like your call with Musgrave where the elite athleticism, those kind of guys sometimes take a while to develop in the in the NFL. Um, and I'll say this, Memphis, we've been criticizing Brian Gutekunst kind of for years for his decision-making with Green Bay. But all of the recent picks have hit. Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, for where they were drafted, both could be considered wins. Then this year, the two tight ends, they're getting production out of as rookies to go along with Jaden Reed, who's an absolute baller. And then Dontavian Wicks looks like a really, really good pick. Is this sort of a maybe Brian Gutekunst actually is uh, doing a pretty good job here? I think Brian Gutekunst does a good job of, of knowing when to draft the players. There's this thing that Green Bay's never taken a first round skill position guy or whatever that that crazy, you know, it's like 13 reds in a row on a on a roulette table. I mean, it, just because it's happened doesn't mean that that it, it's going to happen again. But yeah, I think he's done a great job. I would love, you know, I know I think it would be a good spot for like, you know, one of these veteran free agents to to bring in a Mike Evans to Green Bay. Green Bay is another decent yeah. spot because you, you you need a veteran. I, I've always liked that that veteran presence in the locker room. I mean, I think if you were to ask Devontae Adams, I think Jordy Nelson probably helped him a, a, as he was coming up. And I think Jordy Nelson was probably helped by Greg Jennings. And that's just kind of how it works. And right now, I think, what, is year three probably the oldest wide receiver in that room? Yeah, those so, guys are all young. And, and then, you know, you meant, and I, I got some some other uh, rookies going into year two wide receivers. I think there's a lot of guys that Tank Dell, Zay Flowers, uh, Josh Downs with the Colts. If Michael Pittman were, 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 were for some reason not to re-sign in Indianapolis, there there's a lot of equity uh, in these guys. Because if you buy them now, think about buying a property that maybe you think's going to the, the, the city's going to put some money into and then all of a sudden the property around that property becomes more valuable that's kind of what I'm looking to do I'm kind of like looking to get the Don Tavian Wicks or Reed or one of these guys because I don't think Christian Watson's ever going to be the healthiest guy around so either one of those guys Wicks or because it's clearly not Romeo Dubes I love me some Dubes but he is and I know it's Dobbs but it's Dubes yeah. to me I love Memphis, your call of Josh Downs, where I think like the some of the other, like the Tank Dell is going to toss me an absolute fortune. Josh Downs, there's going to be fantasy managers who took him as a, like a high third round pick, maybe a low second round pick, who despite his success are willing to take the newer model and maybe they take like a late second and, and maybe a late fourth, something like that, a reasonable price. And for me, a guy like, like Downs, profiles in the same way that with James Cook or Rashad White, where we've actually seen them have success on an NFL football field. It's not like I'm saying, you know, this guy who got zero targets and zero snaps is suddenly going to explode. But I, I've seen enough out of him that I know he has talent and the opportunity could be greater. They also just could be a much better offense next year. And there could be more consolidation with, uh, you know, even with, with Anthony Richardson, you know, with if Pittman comes back even, but it's like complete consolidation, maybe a little less targets to the running backs than we saw with the offense this year. I think Downs could be a really, really good one to get. I love that call. Can, can I can I can I give you a stat that'll blow you away? 
I love stats that blow me away. If I had told you coming into the season that Josh Downs was going to have a 100-target season, would you believed it? Because that's his pace right now. Currently, he's got 84 targets. He's on pace for exactly 100 targets. And if Michael Pittman were to miss this coming week because of the concussion suffered last week, that's a, an even bigger possibility. So he's actually on a – minus the touchdowns, he's actually on a little bit better target catch yards trajectory than Jaden Reed. So I, I, li- I like him quite a bit. I would love to see – back to Marvin Mims. I would love to see him giving this kind of target share. Yeah. I just don't. I just don't think uh, Sean Payton trusts Russ to throw the ball like that. And I would yeah. not be, even though it's going to cost him a boatload of money. I would not be surprised if Russ was not the quarterback in Denver next year. That's an interesting one for the offseason as well. Um, yeah, you know it's crazy, Memphis, because we had a number of seasons where the the NFL third round was like a wasteland for wide receiver. You had the Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. 2019 class and then after that it was like nobody hitting the only guy who hit was like josh palmer and that was not one that we're like getting super excited about but this year with tank dell absolute smash puka nakua we we didn't we didn't mention puka oh yeah we didn't we're we're gonna talk about jordan addison i'm 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 sure to it to a larger degree there's a i mean a, a lot a lot of guys it's like if and I would have to count the number of wide receivers, Jackson Smith and Jigba is like if of his class is like the rookie wide receiver six, because Addison we didn't mention Rishi Rice, Jaden Reed, Tank Dell, Zay Flowers, Josh Downs, all these guys have more fantasy points right now than Jackson Smith and Jigba. The this class was very good for restocking that wide receiver three with upside category that we so desperately need. Because so many times you wind up with a wide receiver on your team, and no offense because he had a good run, or like like an Adam Thielen or like a DJ Chark in a deeper league, and, and, and you're like a, a, a Zay Jones. You're just kind of hoping those crusty veterans hit. Why not take a young upside guy at the wide receiver three position and, and get one of these guys? I love it. And I'll say, like, when you're starting to look at trade targets or guys you could draft in dynasty startups like Puka, Rice, Flowers, Addison, JSN, they're all going to get pushed up. But I love targeting these guys that, you know, have this upside to to do better in year two where I don't have to pay as much. But I think certainly the guys that you mentioned are all, are all going to be big time picks. The one guy I'll say here, Memphis, that I think there might be a disconnect with his price in Dynasty and Redraft is Jaden Reed. So Puka had the elite production. Rishi Rice had the great production of late. Zay Flowers, we've seen enough that he's there. JSN so insulated. Jordan Addison had the two touchdown catches this past week, nine on the year. Ridiculously good season from him. But then you get to Jaden Reed. And Jaden Reed, I love. I've had him as a guy on a lot of my dynasty teams, and I had him as a guy I recommended every week in the waiver wire, and now he's finally hitting big time. But for some people, they don't necessarily love it. He was a little bit older coming in. He gets these manufactured touches where he gets the low dot looks, and then he's had some success as a you know manufactured running plays. I personally think when I look at him, it's a, it's a guy who they're trying to get the ball in his hands. But some other people will take a look at a Jaden Reed guy and say, this is a guy who maybe I should cash out. Where are you at on a Jaden Reed and his trajectory as a pro? Bullish heading into next year, 
or is this a guy where you kind of agree there's been a perfect storm of opportunity? I, I like Jaden Reed quite a bit. Fun fact, my co-host on the Dynasty Warzone, Jerry Sinclair, he graduated from Michigan State University with Jaden Reed, of, of all people. So uh, that's a little cool thing. I, I like Jaden Reed a bunch. I, I, I think, what, what was he a second-round pick? Second-round pick, yep. Se- second round. How many of the actual NFL wide receivers that really – really do big things or second round picks. It feels like a ton. It feels like yeah. a ton of, you know, Michael Pittman, Devontae Adams, T Higgins. And, and, you know, just, just those kind of guys. I, I would love for every rookie wide receiver to have OBJ's rookie season. It would be great. It would be great, but it's not going to happen. It's like Zay flowers. He's had his moments, but back to Jaden Reed, it's, I'm going to be watching very intently what green Bay does in free agency in the draft. Because I know our boy Alan Soslowski from you know uh, Roster Watch and uh, Roto Wire. I'm sorry, Roto Wire and the Sonic Truth. Um, he was a big Christian Watson guy. I just talents there. I don't know that he ever puts it together. You, you ever seen like like a faulty wire that when it's hitting like the like maybe it's a radio or like a speaker or whatever, and when it's like the wires are touching correctly, it works great. But more often than not, it skips and misses out. That's kind of how I feel about Christian Watson. And if Jaden Reed could end up being, I don't have a great comp for him, but like, I don't want to stay Stefan Diggs. That's not fair to him, but I, I see someone with that kind of ceiling. Yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, that's a guy that I'm going to be targeting this offseason. I think he'll be, uh, there'll be a, a disconnect between his redraft price and some of the other players that we've talked about in this class. Like, I think at the end of the day, when you start seeing these early, redraft rankings and i'm going to drop one myself guys like puka are going to push up Rishi rice is going to be like a third round redraft pick next year but Jaden reed will be a guy that people have difficulty pricing and in memphis i really want to stick with these wide receivers but we got to get over to the running back position because if we had talked six weeks ago this might have been a different conversation but you have Bijan robinson who was everyone's dynasty rb1 in a lot of our startup drafts that we saw this past offseason, Bijan, without playing an NFL down, was going in the top three picks, like right behind Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Bijan was going at the one-two turn in redraft. And we got Arthur Smith. You know, we've had and and you know, there's a little bit of like big time reaction because of the the nature of the poor performance and the Lack of volume. It happened in the fantasy playoffs. But the three games beforehand, Bijan smashed. Had a really nice run. But at the end of the day, Memphis, our guy Jameer Gibbs has been absolutely sensational. He leads the NFL and runs over 20 yards. He is exactly what we thought he would be. He's an elite receiver. He is an elite explosive runner who can do it on lower volume uh, you know, carries. And he's had so multiple top five RB finishes as a rookie. Then you have Christian McCaffrey, who is setting the world on fire and will be 28 years old heading into next season. But if you had to bet on a player to average 30 points per game next year in the NFL, probably Christian McCaffrey. What way should fan for should dynasty managers be ranking the position right now? Let's start out with your personal running back rankings well my personal running back rating i have gibbs the 101 overall 
And I, I, if you want to know more about why I love Gibbs, I'm, I'm happy to share. And it's nothing against CMC. But if you take McCaffrey, you are saying in like, what, February, Valentine's Day, the NFL season will be over. We just can't wait to do that newest dynasty startup. I, I have the sickness too. It's fine. But if you hit the draft player button on Christian McCaffrey and let's say March 1st, then the rest of that build has to be a win-now build. You have to make decisions around that roster that are going to ensure that you have the best opportunity to win in 2024. Because, you know, Christian McCaffrey, we I, I love the guy, but we, we seem to forget because he's had a good couple of years in a row that he does have an injury history. You know, it's like right now I, I heard on it was an X or maybe on a podcast that, you know, he has a little patellar, you know, stiffness or, you know, um, in, inflammation right now, whatever it is. You know, and, and they give him a heavy dosage. So he's 28. So if you want to take McCaffrey at the 101, go for it. Just know that the or if you acquire him, just you have to be honest. And I'm saving this for my big clothes at the end of the show. So stick around. But you you have to make that declaration. Whereas Gibbs, Gibbs is just going to be the man. And this is nothing against Bijan because Dan Campbell mentored his coaching early in his coaching career with Sean Payton. In 2017, he saw a rookie running back named Alvin Kamara be implemented beautifully next to a veteran running back named Mark Ingram, and they both finished as top eight running backs that season. This is what he's been looking for. I'm sorry for DeAndre Swift fans that it wasn't DeAndre Swift, but this is what Dan Campbell was looking for, and I don't think Dan Campbell's going anywhere. I do think Ben Johnson will... 85% out the door for a head coaching job. So a little bit concerned about what the offense may look like, but I'm going to lean into the Gibbs as my 101. I'm with you. And we actually just made that move on our dynasty rankings. Highly recommend, you know, subscribing to player profiler and getting access to our dynasty rankings. Uh, the pod, you can get a very discounted rate right now for the rest of the season. We'll get you access to all of our tools and all of our rankings. Um, Jameer Gibbs is the truth. And Jameer Gibbs is going to be an interesting one, Memphis, because again, like CMC will be the 101 in redraft next year. Tyreek Hill is probably 102. At the end of the day, I'm probably betting on Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, like your usual suspects getting in there. But Jameer Gibbs is an absolute lock to go in the first round of redraft. And more likely than not, he's going to go in the first half of the of the first round because he's going to be a guy that's going to have the steam throughout the summer. So I'm completely with you. Now, who is your running back two in Dynasty? So I'll say Gibbs and I, we're in lockstep. I've, well, I've made the move. I'm, I'm, it's Gibbs. I'm, I'm going to say Bijan, but only because he doesn't have the ACL that Brees Hall does. I am not letting this bad season in Atlanta sway me from Bijan. But just remember, we throw the term, not we, not me, but like those assholes, we, we throw around the term generational way too often. It's like, well, how many, how, you know, generational means once in a generation. He's in the same generation as Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor. He's been fine, but I saw his college team. They're playing in the, the national championship tournament without him. You know, Atlanta seems to be happy to not use him. It's not that he's not really, really, really good. It's just that I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him. So... He's got three. He's played every game. He's got three games of 20 points or more. It's not what I signed up for. It's not what you signed up for. 
Got you know, six, br- six games of 17 and a half or more, though, Memphis. So that, like- that, 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 that's fair. I just said 20 because 20 is like that weak winning score. That's is right. This like th- that, that's a number, you know. And, and then you look at their average. He's averaging 13.58 PPR points a game. That's like borderline RB1 average, just, just to be quite frank. And, and again, I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming his talent. But I've got to build a dynasty roster knowing what I know. So I put him barely ahead of Brees Hall because Brees Hall has four 20-point games. And he's been doing it with, you know what, like Zach Wilson and Trevor Simeon and just just horrible. And he, he should get, you know, Rodgers back and love to get rid of Hackett. But, yes, I have Bijan 2, Hall 3. Now you get a little bit interesting level. So I'll, I'll go with you. I'm going to say that. Gibbs, Bijan, Hall. I'll throw CMC in there, Memphis, because I think that the impact he's going to give me early on. Then I get with the. I'll give you this this tier here. The Travis Etienne, Jonathan Taylor, Devon A. Chain. That tier. Which which of those three gets you the most excited? If you could have them on your dynasty roster. Well, I've got JT as my four, Jonathan Taylor as my four. Um, just signed the extension, so I know where he's going to be. We really haven't had a good sample of what he's going to look like with Anthony Richardson, but I, I like what I've seen out of Shane Steichen building an offense around him. So he's got the contract, he's got the quarterback, um, good weapons around him. Offensive line's better than 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 before. Um, I don't think it's at an all-time high, but it's, it's a good offensive line. Um, I actually have CMC as my five, and it's not. I'm not an ageist. I'm not an ageist as at all, but that's where I have him because I'd like to think I could use him for two good years, maybe three, which is fine. But I actually have Kenneth Walker as my six. Okay, Z- zero apologies. Um, I have Etn as my seven. I have Rashad White. Um, excuse me. I have uh, Kyron. Yeah, Kyron's my seven. I'm sorry. I got Travis Etienne as my seven, Kyron as my eight, and Rashad White as my nine. Okay, well, I think that that's that one's interesting. For the, so, Devon A. Chain, mm-hmm. talk about the ability to give you twenty point performances. Oh, oh yes, yes, sir. My guy's, my guy's good at that. I, I, I listen. I, I, I want to believe. But I mean, I, I know Jonathan Taylor's been hurt too, and I, I mentioned the Brees Hall thing. But this guy came into the league hurt. You know, missed the first game of the season, played a couple of games, got hurt again, come back and set the league on fire, missing time. And and then he is the perfect guy that I would love to get as my wide, excuse me, as my running back too, that I know could absolutely set my opponents on fire. But I don't think he's the guy like a Kyron Williams, like a Rashad White for the next two years. Like a, I guess the, the lease car guys, the guys that you're leasing for the next you know two years while they're on this rookie contract. I would rather have the consistency of a Rashad White, of a Kyron Williams, of the a Travis Etienne than I would of, of A-Chain. Like I said, he would be uh, just steal him as my RB2 and just love it. So let's finish out your your top 12 here, Memphis, because I know you did this for the show. So you're at Rashad White at RB9. Who are we looking at at 10, 11, and 12? 
I think I'm. Oh, you know what? I only only ranked eleven because that. Well, that's how I am. Um, well, we'll, number, go, we'll go to eleven. We'll go through. 11. No, no, we're fine. And, and number ten is James Cook. Love it. And, and this is not as much an overreaction to this past weekend as it's been like. He's at, he's in year two. He's in year three again. Josh Josh Allen makes a bajillion dollars a year. Um, I have a chain as my eleven, and then I'm going to pick a twelfth right here on the area. Uh, on the air, excuse me. Part of me wants to say DeAndre Swift really, really, really bad. But I'm going to go Pacheco, and I know no one's going to like it. Uh, he makes me nervous because he runs like he's fighting the air, like he's literally having a yeah. fist fight with the air. But he that's runs okay. Like the, runs like the Incredible Hulk. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to just say, oh, well, he's he's attached to Patrick Mahomes, but that's a really good offense. And they're needing a weapon. I mean, they're, they're needing someone that they can rely on. Could they dabble in the free agent market or draft someone? Sure. Um, then you start getting into some of those veterans and like Barkley, Swift, Pollard. I will say this. If for some reason DeAndre Swift does not re-sign in Philadelphia because he's tired of losing every one-yard run to the brotherly shove and he winds up in a place like the Chargers to replace Austin Eckler, who's a free agent, if he winds up in – Cincinnati to replace Joe Mixon. If he winds up in one of these really good spots, I'll have to reevaluate DeAndre Swift. But yeah, I would rather have in Dynasty, I'd rather have some of these younger guys that, you know, are in that year one, year two than maybe some of the older guys. Because if I'm going to go an old guy, I'll be honest with you, where you have to draft a lot of these guys, if Alvin Kamara stays in New Orleans, I'll just take Alvin Kamara. That's scoring right. 20 points a game. Alvin Kamara was going to be the one that I was going to throw out to you because he's kind of like Christian McCaffrey light where you're going to be able to like in dynasty startups, McCaffrey's going to sneak his way into the first round. Whereas Alvin Kamara, people are going to let drop to you. Who knows? At the end of the day, it's going to be kind of like de league dependent where there's going to be somebody you've used Kamara as this elite, get me to a championship year one type value. And others are going to say, I don't even want to touch him. And he's older than McCaffrey. So at the end of the day, uh, Kamara will be 29 to start next season. And I know this is all, all at the margins. People are going to say 28 and 29. It's the same thing, Theo. It's not, though. Dynasty managers are very cognizant of these ages and age apexes. So love talking about these, these running backs. Memphis, you know, I try to keep the show at an hour because I'm trying to keep it tight. But we're going to go a little bit longer just because I want to ask you. We have to talk about Najee Harris and the whole phenomenon of do we this have to? Not a, this is no. This is not a pick on Najee thing, but this is a. Oftentimes, dynasty managers have this psychological feeling where they can't let go of guys who are very productive as year one assets, and a lot of times, guys have their greatest dynasty value after their first year, and they never sort of return it. I think that that's Najee is just a great example of. He gives us this top six running back performance as a rookie. The following year, he goes way, way up in Dynasty startups. Uh, he was drafted fairly highly in Dynasty startups after being drafted in the first round as a, a running back, but he improved in Dynasty startups in, heading into year two. Then you saw a crater. He drops from our, a top six season to like RB, you know, let's call it RB 17, RB 18 level heading into year three. And then this year, it's completely fallen off. But I think it's this is not to find the next Najee Harris, but this is a more, are there certain players where you're going to go out and shop them when they reach this pinnacle of the market? Because I think there's certain managers that won't ever want to trade 
these young assets when oftentimes you can get these incredible returns by moving these guys? Who would be a guy that's an incredibly productive younger player that you would consider trading right now that you think the market really hasn't moved on? An incredibly productive younger guy that the market hasn't moved on. That's a good question. I mean, as far as like Najee Harris, I will tell you, it's so hard to call the market on these guys, like to call the ceiling. Hey, this is going to be the absolute highest this guy's ever going to be. And now's the time to cash out. It's harder with Najee Harris. And Najee Harris is a bit of anomaly because he was the guy, right? He had the guy, he had the college pedigree, right? He had the college pedigree of, I came out of Alabama. I got drafted in the first round by a blue blood NFL franchise, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I come out and have the RB4 overall season as a rookie. Who who wouldn't be thrilled by that? Who who wouldn't be super excited to say, hey, I've got that guy on my dynasty roster? And and, and then all of a sudden he becomes, well, what we've seen today. As as far as like the 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 next guy that could be that guy, man. I, I'm I'm looking over some names. He's not really a rookie. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I have concerns about like Tony Pollard, and I don't think Bijan's in that category. But I'm I'm nervous, man. If if our, our, let me ask you this. Let me, let me let me buy myself a minute of time. If if Arthur Smith comes back next year, where are you at on Bijan? I don't even want to talk about it. That would make me so sick. And I know I'm not supposed to, you know, criticize. You know the coach fallacy. You know guys are guys, but at the end of the day, I would I would be a very upset about it. Um, I would look at appropriate pivots, but I wouldn't want to move off of Bijan. Uh, I think that's that's a fair one. Let me ask you. I'll throw a guy out to you right now because we're going to also talk about your dynasty tight end rankings. Trey McBride. Trey McBride. No player has gained. We talked about him this year. I mean, we talked about him earlier the show. This year, there's been no tight end that's ascended more. Um, you know, besides Sam Laporta, obviously wasn't in the league last year, but Trey McBride has been peppered with targets. He's been insanely productive. I tweeted something out the other day about Sam Laporta being the new tight end one in redraft. And, you know, he's been the tight end one in dynasty now for a couple months, taking over for Travis Kelsey next year in redraft. And there were people pushing back on me, like, why is Trey McBride not the tight end one in redraft? And I'm taking a step back and I'm like, I like Trey McBride, but if this market is where it's at on Trey McBride, I think I'm going to potentially see what I can get for him because I view him as a top-notch prospect. Like anybody who listens to Goat District or listen to me on Player Profiler Podcast knows that I drafted a ton of Trey McBride in rookie drafts, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't see him anywhere near a Sam Laporta in terms of like raw talent. So if I'm going to get a godfather offer, despite this insane production, maybe I'm running the risk of trading the next like long time top five tight end uh, and a set it and forget it dynasty asset. But I think I might get paid more than I should when it comes to a guy like Trey McBride. Would this be a guy that you would consider kicking the tires on and seeing what you could get and selling high? Or would you be scared to death on this one? First thing, I don't want to say I told you so, but if you go back to my maiden voyage on a podcast, maybe you've heard of it, it's called The Mind of Mansion. The podcast is this uh, real young up-and-comer named Matt Kelly. He goes by the Podfather. I had the good fortune of being on that show this summer, and I said, 
Trey McBride is a guy that that I'm on this year. Now, it didn't happen as soon as I thought it was going to, to be fair, because of the Zach Ertz injury. This is Kyler Murray. If you go back and look at Kyler Murray since he's been in the league, it's the same thing you're seeing right now with Joe Flacco. He hyper-targets the tight end. So this was – and then you go to player profiler – and you look at Trey McBride's college dominator rating. If I remember correctly, it was the 99th percentile. This yeah. guy was a stud. So wait a minute. You mean I've got a stud tight end with a quarterback who hyper targets the tight end, and now we're all like just shocked that it's good? It, it's it, it, it comes as no surprise. The only way that I'm personally moving Trey McBride is if I drafted Sam Laporta. You know, just because I I like Sam Laporta, or somehow I acquired him in a trade in the offseason or before he got hot, or maybe I've got a Hawkinson. I just did this in a in a one of our patron leagues. Uh, I had Laporta, I had Ferguson, I had McBride, and I had one other young up and coming tight end, and and I, and I moved Laporta for a haul. I mean, a haul because it was to Jerry, my co-host, who's a Lions fan from Michigan. But a haul to help me win that matchup just that that particular week because but that's but back to McBride that's the only way I'm moving him is because I know Murray got paid I know McBride's in year two of a rookie deal he's not going anywhere for a while so I would have to have an equal number of potential points already on my roster to make that move but yes if I do I'm taking the Godfather offer yeah that's my whole thing is you bring up T.J. Hawkinson. I think that there's certain dynasty managers. I, this is the this is the way the tight end position is right now. I think that if you polled league mates, there is not a consensus. I think that Sam Laporta, most people have come around on that he's tight end one overall. But then I think there's a lot of variance when you have like tight ends two through seven ranked. And then you also have a number of guys in that like tight end eight through 13, 14 range where a lot of times that's the range we're looking to kind of avoid and now it, there's a lot of pretty attractive guys in, in that range. You know, the guys like the David Njokus, the Evan Engrams, who are productive now, and I can see it, they're going to be in that range for me. So I do think that there's uh, pivots to be made. And I think that if somebody's going to pay me Hawkinson Plus for Trey McBride, I'm making that move, Memphis. Um, just well, you, know, you should. Yeah. TJ Hawkinson still my, my tight end, too. Okay, so let's break this down. Let's sure. back it up. So, so We're Sam both Laporte, on Laporte is Laporte is one. Laporte is, and I'm fine with that. My my concern with Laporta is that for some reason he loses Ben Johnson in the off season. He still has Jared Goff. Quarterback should be stable, but he's my one. T.J. Hawkinson is my two. Mark Andrews didn't die. He hurt his leg. Um, he's still my tight end three. And this next one right here is probably going to blow and people. Not to interrupt, not to interrupt you, there, Memphis, but. That's a trade I can make. I can trade you, and there's a lot of fantasy managers who will take my and not. I'm not just talking about right now. I'm talking about in a month, where if I'm holding Trey McBride and I offer him out to the Mark Andrews manager who's coming off of an injury and sees the age difference and the experience difference, they're going to make that move with me. So I agree with you. I would take the Mark Andrews pivot next year. Um, you know, especially considering I could get something on top most likely because of the enthusiasm for McBride but we're you're not to interrupt you you're at Mandry's at three let's go this back next, and go th- this next one's going to blow people away and that's fine I, I'm totally fine with that um because I've, I've got almost a two full year sample of it and my four is Evan Ingram 
and I know people don't okay. want to hear it. He is signed in Jacksonville through 2028, and there is no real way out of that contract. I mean, there's always a way they're willing to spend the money. I mean, they're going to get out of Russell Wilson's contract. I'd like to think they could get away from Evan Ingram. There seems to be a real relationship between Ingram and and uh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence. I could just see his beautiful hair, and I was I was lost in his beautiful hair. He's only 28. 29. I mean, he's got three or four good peak years left in him in an offense that features the tight end. I know that one might be a bit of a stretch. I have McBride at five and Kittle at six. Okay. You good with those so far? I like those ones. I would say the the, the, pushback people might have is, you know, the Evan Engram one's going to be a little high for some. Kittle one's interesting, Randy, because you push Kittle at six, which little getting a little older. And mm-hmm. also the target competition with Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. He, but, but, but if you're going to take a tight end where you're taking these tight ends, give me the one that's going to win you a week. That's fair. Just, just give me the one who's capable of going, you know, five for a hundred and three touchdowns. Because if if I'm going to risk it, and but I was I was pulling up some stats. So this year, currently on the season, Everett Ingram is your tight end four. Last year on the season, he was your tight end four. If I can get the tight end, and, and I, the cool thing is, just because I value him there, doesn't mean that the rest of the industry does. So for me, I, I think I think he's super cheap. I do like Kittle a little bit more. Like he's like twenty nine, I think. So he's still got plenty of plenty of good years left. Uh, and then I have Kelsey. Still have some respect for Kelsey. I think you're going to get another solid year or two. But has anyone fallen further from the tight end? You know, and and. and Travis Kelsey's been so good, so good for so long. But it happens to everybody, man. It happened to Gronk. It happened. And Gronk and Kelsey are the same age. Gronk's retired twice. Yeah. So I don't know how many more good years Kelsey has left. He's my seven. Here's one that's going to surprise some people. But he's only in year two, and he's playing like this, is Jake Turd Ferguson. I love Jake Ferguson because they're going to have to pay Dak again. And when you again, same common theme, when you've got to pay your quarterback a bajillion dollars, you got to save money where you can't. Oh, you're going to pay CD Lamb another bajillion dollars. So why not keep a young guy like Jake Ferguson around? He's highly involved in the offense. I love him at eight. Dallas Goddard at nine. Goddard's another one of those guys, if he could just stay healthy for a whole season and put together that legit season, like he broke an arm. I think he's broken two arms. He always has like this pocket of games where he misses three or four games with a something, and then he comes back. But he's really good. Uh, the one that I moved up recently, because I did this for the show, was um, Kyle Pitts. I didn't have Kyle Pitts this high. I have him at 10. Brandy, you haven't said my guy, Dalton Kincaid, yet. Oh, my God. I I, I missed him. Yeah. So uh, okay, 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 okay. Look, look, give me, I'm going to slot him in between Kelsey and Fergie. Okay. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put him start, at seven. I was starting to get. I, was I, I missed him, hot. man. I, 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 I missed him. I, I, I missed him. That, that, no, that's totally my bad. I would, I would have him at seven. I'm going to put a little note right here. My bad. My bad. There. And um, then, then Pitts, and then I guess Njoku. And Njoku. I love the Njoku close. He's only 28 years old. I know it's not. It seems it, like it, he's. It, it seems like he's 34, but he's been it, around forever, and now he's starting to just crush it. And and you got to ask yourself that. Is this a byproduct of Joe Flacco being the quarterback? Because Joe Flacco has made many a tight end relevant in his time in Baltimore. So that's part of it being being him. 
but you have to love the athletic specimen because David Njoku, to a degree, was Kyle Pitts before Kyle Pitts. He was this ginormous athletic super freak that came out of nowhere and just dominated, and it's taken him a while. But this is why you don't give up on Kyle Pitts. I love it. I I, I actually really like your ranking. There's a couple guys I would have disagreed with. I love your enthusiasm for Evan Engram. I think like last offseason, I was able to go and acquire him. I think you're still going to be able to go out and acquire him this offseason. There's like a disconnect between the actual production and the and the the performance on the field and his dynasty relative value. And Memphis, he won people leagues last year, and he's he's still putting up strong stats late in the season this year. So I love this one. He's he's, uh, he's going to have a hundred catches. He's got 88 catches right now as we speak. He's going to have a hundred catches. He's going to have a thousand, eh, maybe not a thousand yards. Be close. And here's the thing. He's doing all that in spite of only having three touchdowns. Yeah. Imagine if he ever got to like, I feel the way about Evan Ingram. I got flack for this a couple of years ago when I had DJ Moore ranked so high and like to see DJ Moore in spite of the, 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 you know, having a backup quarterback for a while and fields is not the most accurate passer in the world. He's had a tremendous season. So I've never been afraid to be a little bit too high on a quote unquote older guy. My, my guy's 29. I got three, four more good years with yeah. Trevor Lawrence. Absolutely. And Memphis, we, we've done it. We've set the record for longest dynasty life. We saved we saved it for you. Um, guys, smash the like button. Subscribe to our YouTube network if you're not already doing so. It definitely helps us out. And Memphis, let everybody know where they can find your work and what you've got cooking for the Dynasty War Zone this offseason. Well, I wanted to finish with this because I was going to bring oh, it up yeah, in the, yeah. by the show. It's like you, you, the, the question you put on the show sheet for me was, what are you doing this time of the year? What's my approach? If you're if you're serious about winning, because if you're not, that's fine. If you're just in it to hang out with your buds and, you know, and, and, and you enjoy the game and you like make it, that's fine. Treat it like a business. You know what? Give every player on your dynasty roster. Now, if you have a bunch of dynasty rosters, it's going to be hard and time-consuming. Treat, Give them a performance evaluation, the same way that you would the employees at work or the same way that you would get at work. Hey, here's what you did good this year. Here's what you did bad this year. And look at your rosters. Did we set out to, to accomplish what our goals were for this season? Did you have a plan? Did you stick to the plan? Did you do the right things in 2023? Treat it like a business because at the end of the year, what are you doing? You're looking at like our profits, our losses, you know, looking at your, it's the same thing. That's what I do. I'm, I'm a simple middle manager, but that's what we do. We, 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 we middle manage. That's how you manage your dynasty roster. Look at him. Kyron Williams overperformed this year. Okay, great. He's going to get a merit increase, or in this case, he's going to increase up our dynasty rankings. Totally fair. He's, he's earned that. But we have to ask ourselves, is that sustainable? Is that repeatable? Is that who he is going forward? Or was it a one-off blip? We didn't get to Nico Collins. Uh, I'll do Nico Collins Wednesday or Thursday, excuse me, on the Dynasty War Zone. But treat it like a business. Evaluate your Dynasty roster. Evaluate yourself as a Dynasty manager and say, hey, this is what I need to work on. Hey, I deviated from the plan. Hey, I, I, I strayed here. Here's the move that I should have made. And don't beat yourself up for it. I was taught in business, it's, it's very much like this. And this you can use this in any aspect of life. What'd you do right? What'd you do wrong? 
And what are you going to do differently next time? It's that simple. If you can answer those three questions about your day, about time with your family, your dynasty roster, it's always going to serve you well. You can find me on the Player Profiler YouTube channel. Thursday's currently 5 p.m. And uh, podcast on Thursday. If you just subscribe everywhere, guys, and you turn the little notification gimmick on, you're never going to miss a show. I do that. And I've said to myself, self, this, this network has a lot of shows. I'm like, yes, they do. But you know what? Your free download of a show on Apple or Spotify, that helps us. We're not asking you for anything. We have great sponsors like Bet Openly, but that's totally free. And then when I go through the, the, the channels and I listen to the podcast that I like. So if you subscribe, you leave a notification or turn notifications on, you leave a comment, you leave a review. Those are all the ways that you can help uh, us here at Player Profiler and the Dynasty Warzone. But uh, going to crank it up to two shows a week, probably in the offseason. We're going to do some fun stuff, Theo. Yeah, no, highly recommend the Warzone. And yeah, like Memphis said, uh, make sure you're subscribing to the to the player profiler, you know, a podcast uh, set, and you get you'll end up getting the Dynasty War Zone, the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, Dynasty Life, the Undrafted with Jax Falcone, yeah, Goat District Futurecast. Like we got you covered, you know, the Dynasty Roundtable uh, Roundtable is doing great stuff on Wednesday nights. So make sure you're sticking with us. If you're a Dynasty manager, there's no better place to be than right here at Player Profiler. I hope everyone has a wonderful holiday. Probably not doing a Dynasty Life until after the uh, first of the year, but it's been a really good run. Make sure you go and check out some of our previous episodes. If you enjoyed today with Memphis, you really will enjoy last week with Alan Soslowski. Uh, everybody have a wonderful rest of your day. Like Memphis said, take some extra time with your Dynasty rosters. Take some extra time with all of your fantasy teams because the season's going to be over in two weeks. And then we're in full-on Dynasty mode. Have a great rest of your day, everybody. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you the people that get the site and get the show.